Hello and welcome to the Better Leaders Show. Today I'm talking to Sofia Morato. Welcome, Sofia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I invited you, um, first of all, because you have this beautiful title now with your business, The Communication Ecologist. And I think that what I want to talk a bit more about today is about um, communication in teams and leadership and communication and so on. Um, but first, let's see who you are a bit, um, because you have like a very diverse background. You have a lot of experience, different experiences, different teaching. And you say you are a Portuguese creative based in Amsterdam, who has many hats, visual artist, designer, culture creator, communication manager. So there's a, there's a lot that you've done. If you look at all those jobs and forget about the one that you do now, what is the one that you have the best memories of? The ones that I have the best relationships with my colleagues. And, and which one is that? when I was a film festival director and my team was very small, but it was changing every year because the funds were not so high. So every year I would have to have a new team and people that would come to me were all very passionate about film and architecture. So we were all having so much fun uh, watching movies and talking about it and trying to figure out how that would create a discussion in the public realm and then figuring out which people to invite. I mean, everything, the whole relationship was based on this love for sharing and love for creating something together. So that's my best memory. A film festival, it sounds um, like a huge thing. Is it, it was a yearly thing, it was specific for architecture. Is it? Is it, it, it's the same, what I think of like a huge size where they have all these films playing at the same time and a lot of guests and having red carpet shows and stuff like that? <laughs> well, it was, uh, let's say a more low key film festival. It was a small film festival, but encompassing everything that you just said uh not a red carpet except that uh it was da more down to earth and more community based uh, but it was indeed uh, showcasing films about the built environment so about the lives in cities uh lives in buildings specific buildings or a house uh, or biographies of architects and designers um yeah so that's that's what i did for almost 10 years and um, I, I know you have, um, from what you've studied, you have a creative background. So you, you work with film and communication. But why this architecture part? Why, why, is, why is that important? For me, uh, I, when I was a visual artist, uh, I, I finished the Ritwell Academy in uh, Amsterdam. And then I moved to Chile. And in Chile, I got really interested about architecture. I got to know the beautiful uh, architecture of Chile, of Chilean architects. And then uh, I discovered that architecture had a lot of things in common with cinema, which was my first passion. And that's uh, about the editing of the space and also the communication 
with people. Architecture doesn't live without people and cinema also doesn't exist if there's no spectators looking at it. So it's all related for me, uh, my journey, the way I think about communication and relating to others and the way I can scrap uh, many, many different ideas from different mediums. So that's what I do. I, I do like to connect ideas and in the end, connecting people. I don't know if that was maybe a vague answer to your question, uh, but that's mostly how architecture entered my life. It was uh, by chance or not. Uh, I, I'm interested in many, many things, and, and that's one thing that I explored for the last years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will show in a bit, I will show the LinkedIn, uh, your LinkedIn profile, and people, when they are on LinkedIn now, they can see it, obviously. Um, so then you can see all the experiences that she has and, and also the love of, of architecture and the creative part that she's doing. If, if you, you talked about the communication, about the communication of movies with the audience and the communication of the architects through the buildings with the, with the audience or the citizens, why is communication so important to you in that aspect? You know, one of my favorite places to be is inside inside of a screening room. So some people go outside to the nature, some people go to sauna, some people run uh, to relax and to be with myself and to yeah to to rest. I I, I just go to a film room. And why is it important and why is it this connection with communication? Because I think that every time that I go to, a, uh, to watch a movie, it's an empathy practice for me. It's an empathy exercise. You know, do you ever notice that we always choose a character that it's kind of we have empathy for or we're like, hmm, I see myself into this character and then you go through the movie being a bit on his shoes, on, on her shoes. Uh, and that's empathy for me. Uh, and that's a, a very strong way of communicating. Um, and everyone will choose their own character to be empathic with. So again, it's how I connect uh, cinema with communication. And, and watching movies means for you also going to the cinema, so not watching it at television at home. Going to the cinema, yes. <laughs> Being being at ten o'clock in the morning, in lab one one one, almost alone, uh, yeah, experiencing being in somebody else's shoes. I think that's a great exercise for empathic listening. I haven't thought about that. I'm not that often in the cinema, but um, I do watch a lot of movies. But then, on on the TV, <laughs> I like watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can experience this also watching a movie on the TV, but I would say that the immersive experience of the cinema will help. Just like when you're meditating, the place you meditate in is mostly, you know, um, empty of of noise and people because you need to concentrate. So you can think about going to the cinema as a meditation practice as well. <laughs> well. If you would ask my wife, um, I think that she already 
would say that I am meditating when I'm watching a movie because I'm I'm completely focused. I I I I don't hear anything anymore. Um, so I'm already very focused when I'm watching a movie, <laughs> <laughs> okay. which is not always good for uh, people who are with me. <laughs> Whenever a movie is on, I go in and I I'm I'm lost. I I, I forget everything. I mentioned in the beginning, you call your company and the work that you do, the communication ecologists. Um, which, when you just looking from the surface, it sounds like an odd combination, right? Communication and ecology. Why is it, why, what is it for you? What does that mean? So the same way I've connected cinema and architecture, it's the same way I connect my ideas and I live my life by connecting concepts, by learning every day. And uh, when I was reading about communication, I mean, I've read a lot of books, I've, I've listened to lectures, I've researched. So on my research, let's say, uh, on how um, I could be a better communicator and also share uh, my love for communication, I came across ecology. Uh, I think it was by a lecture by Timothy Morton, philosopher, and he was talking about ecology in some way. And then I got interested in his point of view. And then I went to research because I actually didn't really know what an ecologist does. You know, what is the day-to-day -day, uh, work of an ecologist? And then by researching, I realized that, uh, well, ecology is a study of an ecosystem and an ecologist uh, studies that ecosystem and learns about the organisms that are part of that ecosystem. And then if there's a lack of balance, if there's a struggle, if there's an issue in the ecosystem, the ecologist comes in and restores the balance or at least helps restore the balance. And then I thought, wait a minute, this is actually exactly what I do when I go into a mediation between two people. There is an ecosystem, there is a context, right? In, that these two people are in a different context inside of one ecosystem, which is their relationship, their dynamic. And there's something that happens. There's some mistrust going on, there's some disconnection going on. So I come in, I translate this judgment, this story that they have about each other and about the situation, I translate it into needs, into actually what they really want. And then I can see, I can fall in love with both of them because I'm neutral, I'm in the middle. And then I help them to restore balance. I help them to restore this connection. And it's a beautiful thing to see how people can grow if we nourish the soil that is already there. So that's the connection that I do. I am a communication ecologist because I do bring balance to an ecosystem that is unbalanced, that is disconnected. Mm -hmm. And you talk about the four foundational balance pillars of um, what you do is interdependence, sustainability, diversity, and regeneration. And I think 
because what you were just telling me about how the ecologist tries to help restore balance, um, there's also a lot of voices going on that we should let nature just do a thing because then it will restore automatically, right? If we just leave, um, well, if we just leave the, the nature, it will just restore. Do you do you feel you could do the same thing with relationships and communication? If you leave the communication, it will restore? I believe that in, in terms of nature or because we are nature, so I don't want to make the division between we, uh, I think all living beings, we all belong to the same nature. I do believe that it works with interdependence. So communication, as well as our communication, the human communication or a living, sentient being communication is based on a feedback loop, right? So we are in constant communication and that's how we can balance uh, our dynamics, balance our ecosystem. So I believe that by sharing a toolkit, by sharing a communication uh, model, sharing some a different way of thinking, a different way of living, uh, which is what I do, uh, that is then scalable because it's something that we already know, but we forget how to do this connection, this respect, this communicating with respect for ourselves and for others. So I believe that my help is there, it's just a drop that I put in the soil, and then the soil can regenerate itself by that knowledge. The same way that uh, every soil, every living being is always learning. Things uh, change and they adapt because they absorb the knowledge. So I think it's... Uh, it, um, it works the same way in all of us. Nature in itself, living beings, human beings, it's this constant feedback loop. And I'm just, you know, putting a drop uh, of help in the soil. So I don't know if I'm answering your question correctly, if I, because you concretely asked me if we leave people alone, <laughs> communicating as they normally communicate. Uh, the thing is that there was a beginning, right? This type of communication, the everyday communication that we have that is very based on this conditioning of our culture, our family, our roots, our race. So there's so many things that are in the context of each one of us when we are communicating. And the source, it, you know, how we were born, we were not born knowing how to communicate. We are learning every day because we communicate emotions since we were born. But these ones start being unconsciously programmed. We are unconsciously being trained since we are born, right? But when we are born, we are you know, free of judgments, we are free of uh, the moral institutions, we are free of, uh, you know, but then we assimilate, we assimilate, we assimilate, we assimilate. 
So what is the difference between that and the assimilation that the other living beings uh, experience? So I think it's very relatable. How are you now? How, how is that all of this? I'm, I'm just curious how all of this that I've said makes sense to you or what are you thinking about? I, I... Well, I think I think um, what, what you can see today is, I was just reading this book about how the democracy is, um, we are losing democracy. That's what he's talking about. And having these opposite sides left and right, far right, really left. Um, and just making assumptions and doing um, statements instead of having conversations, right? Instead of having a real connection makes us just, it drives us apart. That's, that's what I feel. And what you just said is, um, all these things that you mentioned that that form us as an as an as a person um, that we learn from culture or from you know upbringing um, that pushes us towards a direction where we lose not lose but forget um, how you could communicate how you how the source is really open um, for no more um, relationships and communication right. And the positive thing about that is to focus on the learning part. It was learned, so it can be relearned. And that's what I do. What I do is to uh, share a communication toolkit, a model that brings you back to a language of connection, to a language of trust in yourself, and then in others, because it always starts with oneself. So we first have to understand what is going on in us, what is important for us, to be aware of what we're feeling, of what are our needs, and only then we can ask for what we want in a way that is respectful for us and for the others. And that's why I use the model of nonviolent communication, which has transformed my life personally, and that I believe that it encompasses all in a very simple model that is not easy to implement because it needs practice, but it's a very simple model. Um, and now I'm thinking about the IDGs when I say simple model because <laughs> I know we were going to talk about that. Um, and I would like to introduce just that uh, when I heard about the inner development goals and I researched about it and then I attended the summit uh, this year in Stockholm, I was very encouraged by the simplicity of it because it's a very, very deep and complex, um, let's say, framework. But at the same time, they made it accessible. They made it simple. They made it accessible to people that would probably reject it. 
if they would hear it for the first time, that in a business, in a workplace environment, you will need to uh, to be aware, inner compass, uh, integrity, authenticity, uh, you know, um, meditation, courage, uh, vulnerability. These are words that are entering the workspace uh, realm very recently. And people, a lot of people, even in the summit, I heard that people are still struggling with these words. But at the same time, they were there and they were so enjoying being together and connecting and making these wonderful exercises, you know, somatic exercises and visualization and imagination. And, and I really felt that people were collectively enjoying being more aware, aware of their bodies, aware of each other, aware of what they wanted. And I really truly believe that uh, they're doing a great job uh, in terms of communication, visual communication, for more companies to integrate this other side, this side that I think it's an ecological side. It's an ecological way of thinking about the workplace and how we relate in the workplace. Yeah, that's, that's nicely put. I um... I enjoy how you make the connection from the, um, the communication part, the the um, nonviolent communication part, the simplicity of the tool, but still it's difficult to really do. You need to practice and the same is true for the inner development goals. Um, the framework looks very easy, um, but still, if you really want to become better at these skills, it's still a lot of work that you need to do. If you present something as a lot of work in the first place, then you'll have much less people wanting to <laughs> to go and, 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 and go deep in it. And at the same time, because the, the, the skills that are in the framework are just very well-known skills. We all know the skills. Well, let's say 80% of the skills that are in the framework, we all know, we understand, we have heard of that before, so we know what it is. We may not be practicing it, but it, we know what it is. And I think it's the same with what you say with your um, four um, parts of the non-violent uh, communication. It's the same thing. It's very simple and basic. We know the steps if you take them apart, but it's not easy to do. No, because that's not part of our everyday language. So if you, what kind of difficulties do you see in the workplace, um, in the communication between teams, internally in teams and with teams and their leaders, for example? Well, I see that there's a lot of disconnection. Um, there's a lot of mistrust. Obviously, if you come from a domination system, a hierarchical system, where we are educated since we are born, first we have our parents as a, a, a author, uh, authority, then we have the teachers as authority, then we have our managers or bosses or leaders, 
as uh, so so I see that the disconnection starts because there is power over instead of power with. So I think that's one of the issues I see. It's the letting go, the trusting the other. And because there's also a lot of self-disconnection. There's fears, there's sugarcoating, everything is fine, there's no conflicts, we don't want to enter there. People are afraid of conflicts. I mean, I love conflicts because loving conflicts means that you're curious. You know, I'm always going to learn something if there's a conflict. I'm going to learn something about somebody else and I'm going to learn something about myself. But it's the way that this image, these stories that we have about a conflict, you know, they're so negative. The stories about trusting others, about competition, about um, growth, right? So I also see a lot of disengagement uh, with the companies and the leaders' mission and goals. Um, so that's something also that I work on. And I can tell you very straightforward that most of these issues that I encounter are issues of interpersonal communication. They start with interpersonal communication and then they go into more processes of internal communication as well that are very linear and they are not diverse and inclusive to everyone that works in the company. So it's again like what we have in our education system, one fits all. Uh, when you implement the internal communication process, you have to be aware and we have to know which kind of employees you have, what kind of uh, communication methods do they enjoy the most. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, uh, still a lot to do um, in terms of implementing not only interpersonal communication, but also with the processes of communication within the company. So when I enter, I normally enter as a conflict mediator. And I wish, with I love conflict, as I said already, but I wish I would enter sooner uh, to avoid or to uh, share and, and teach people how to enjoy that conflict. And, and not make it something that is uh, not useful because it is always useful but it's just a, a shift of of mindset a shift of thinking two things um i'd like you to explain a bit more about what is interpersonal communication so we understand what you're thinking of yeah and i really like how you Put this i wouldn't say i've i want to say frame this but it's not what i want to do how you put this with the um i i would love to come sooner so that people would start to love the conflict and i i recognize this how how difficult i find it to be in a conflict um and at the same time i know it is good for the relationship it is good to learn from the other parties what they want or the other person what they want um so i know it's good but i still i still feel uncomfortable um 
when there's a conflict in like a meeting or in a conversation. But first, do the interpersonal relationship uh, communication. Well, interpersonal communication is just communication between two people, between a team. So um, that's basically what interpersonal communication is. Is that enough for you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How to enjoy conflict? That's the second question. <laughs> I, I didn't ask it, but yes, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we enjoy conflict? Well, first, again, we have to start with, uh, with ourselves. Uh, we have to understand that if a conflict arises, it's because needs are not being met by both sides. Okay? So, for me, the best way to, to explain is with an example. So, I can give an example of one of my clients, uh, not disclosing, of course, the names. But there, for example, there were two teams uh, that were very disconnected. So, there was a conflict between these two teams. And one team uh, was very angry. On the other side, they were also very disappointed, you know, so these were the feelings, you know, so disappointment, uh, anger, frustration, um, hopelessness. And that's one of the things that we have to do, not have to do, but it's useful to do in, in when we talk about communication, interpersonal communication, is to start with the literacy of feelings and needs. Normally, we always use the same words, you know, I'm depressed, I'm tired, I'm angry. But there are so many words that we can use that really portray the experience that we're having at that moment. So that's one part of the training, is this literacy of needs and feelings. Okay, so, you know, the two on one side, they're angry, frustrated, hopeless, on the other side, uh, they want to, you know, they don't feel heard. They want more connection. And these are two teams that never seen each other in person. They work only in an online setting since the beginning. Okay. So this one of the teams were really eager for connection, you know, for this in-person connection. So something happens, just like in a movie, you know. Something happens to the hero, and then what, what are we going to do? What are the needs? So we identify the feelings, you know, and now we have to identify the needs. So what I do with them is I bring them uh, one at a time. I listen to them. I identify the needs. I help them translate these judgments, these stories for the other as their needs. So, for example, yeah, you're really angry with the other side because you so wish to be understood yeah i really want to be understood yeah it would be so great to be understood yes so if you start identifying guessing you know you're not saying what they're feeling but you're guessing yeah you really want to be understood they say yes so then you begin this empathic listening begins to bring softness in the in the body you know because a lot of the conflict is in the body you know we feel stressed we feel contracted 
So this guessing of feelings and needs in this empathic listening is just to soften the body. And you can see it, you know, you can see the body softening, you know, you, you see that the, the words are not coming as strong. Then you go into the other side and you do the same. Okay, you really, you know, you, you feel frustrated because you really want to be connected. Is that it? You really want to connect with these people that you work every day. Yes, I really want to connect with them. And I've never seen them. I've never touched them. You know, I only see them online. So then you connect. So then you see it's beautiful. In one side, there's somebody uh, wishing for a connection. And on the other side, somebody wishing to be understood. So now I see them all. I fall in love with both of them. And then I bring them together in a room where they are already softer. You know, because I listen. And then they come and then they start talking. And then I guide, let's say I'm a guide. I translate again. Sometimes some judgments pop up again. And I help them translate those judgments. You know, you didn't listen to me. I really want to be listened to. You know, I wish so much to be listened to. So it's this soft translation of from the from the judgment, the story, to the wish, to the dream. And when there's a connection, when they really truly hear each other, which is often the case, sometimes it takes a bit longer uh, than others, but there's often a, 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 a point where they see each other again as human beings. And when they see each other through needs, instead of stories, then magic happens. Transformation happens by itself, and I can just sit down and see it happen. I don't have to do anything. Because they will start collaborating. They will start co-creating. They will start innovating in strategies that fulfill both parts' needs. So that's the beauty of the conflict. And that's how you can enjoy conflict, is by understanding, coming from a place of understanding yourself and the other. I, um, I like what you say. And I also, uh, when you said so it's mostly it happens in the body and I feel it in my stomach most of the time. So yes, I do. I do sense like these kind of emotions in my body and um and find it also difficult to mention them to to address them i should say to address them um, in, in public at that, at that moment so i can understand what you're saying yeah so there is a practice there a, pra a practice of a practice of vulnerability of openness of trust that in any case if you show your humanness to another human being that that most of the time, you know, I rarely the case that this doesn't happen, that the other human being doesn't connect with your humanity. And I, I, I also think that starting to work with the inner development goals and looking a lot more at the self, I, I've 
started to practice this, what you're telling me. I've started to open up in a meeting when something doesn't feel good for me or I have feelings that something is happening. Normally, I would have not talked about it, but I've recently noticed, looking back at some recent conversation, that I try to bring in what I, what I sense, what I really feel at that moment, even though I don't need a resolution, I don't need somebody to solve something for me. I just need to share how I feel. And also, I think it's it's very common that people will start to, to look for solutions, how they can help you to, to solve that, right? Yes, uh, um, it is common in our uh, society to not be relaxed with unpleasant uh, feelings uh, from the other, you know? So how to enjoy somebody else's pain, we say in NVC, in nonviolent communication. And, you know, enjoying the pain is meaning that you are there, you are present with the person uh, and you're listening, but you don't have to do anything about it. And in our conditioning, uh, depending our cultures that they're stronger than in others, but I think in a Western culture mainly, um, there is this this surge, this urge to fix, this urge to to preach, to to teach, to <laughs> and and to let go of that. It's also a practice. But you know, in a lot of my training, sometimes in the end, people say. Sophia, this is amazing. Uh, I want to do this, but it's so difficult. How am I going to think about all of these things before I speak? You know, my my you know observation, feelings, needs, and then ask for what I want. And then I always make a bit the the <laughs> the comparison with when we go on our first uh, driving's uh, driver's license uh, uh, practical uh, class. You know. I remember the first time I did it, I had to look at all the mirrors and then I had the gears and then my feet and then I have to think about the, the civilians on the road. And, you know, and I thought to myself, I will never be able to remember all of this and to be aware of all of this. But after a couple of years of practice, it's autopilot. We go on the road and we don't even remember how we got home. So it's the same thing with communication. It's same thing with learning something new. Our brain is plastic. Our plas the plasticity of our brain is amazing. And with repetition, we can learn anything. So we can learn also a way of communicating that is more connecting, that is more helpful, that brings more well-being to the workplace and beyond, of course. My work, uh, focus on the workplace because that's where we spend most of our lives. And I thought to myself, if I want to share this practice and this wisdom with others, what is the best place to do? And after a while I thought, coming back to the beginning of our conversation, I've done many jobs in my life, even jobs that I didn't enjoy, but the ones that I remember, even that I didn't enjoy doing, was the ones that I had the best relationships. That I knew that I was going to work, I was going to laugh, I was going to be supported, I would have a community, I would go, you know, for 
you know, for partying with my colleagues. It's about belonging. It's about community. So if we are able to foster this in any work environment and don't bring the leftovers home, then the scope of my uh, impact will go beyond the workplace. But I prefer to start in the workplace because that's where we find friendship. That's where we find love. That's where we find meaning, uh, community. That's where we meet so many of our core needs as human beings that I thought this is where I want to start. I think I want to wrap this up now. Um, I want to for sure do one thing is to show this um, so people can scan the QR code and go directly to your LinkedIn profile and look up and see also your website is at the top of your profile on LinkedIn so they can go directly to your website too. And they see also on your website the MVC, so the nonviolent communication explanation. They see also the link that you make with the ecology side. I, I really enjoyed learning from you today because to me, enjoying difficult conversations, enjoying, well, maybe a fight even, right, sometimes is is something I learned today is a very interesting thing to do. Instead of trying to avoid it, trying to enjoy it. I think that's a, that's a good takeaway for me for today. And I think if you're listening as a leader today, that's the same thing for you, how you could do this with your team and how you can learn the people in your team to use these steps, way yeah. of working. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So thank you for listening today. Thank you, Sophia, for helping us with enjoying these painful conversations, these um, uh, uncomfortable situations to make them enjoyable, to enjoy them and see how you can learn from the other person. Um, so thank you, Sophia, for that. You're welcome, and um, thank you everyone that was listening and that will listen after. And uh, yeah, I hope that in some way this resonated and uh, clicked something in you. And that yes, I'm I'm very expecting people to give me feedback to bring me some conflicts <laughs> for me to enjoy <laughs> and uh, working uh, uh, with teams and helping uh, leaders to become better communicators, uh, better humans. Uh, it's part of my mission. So thank you very much, uh, Erno and everyone out there. And um, yeah, have a great weekend. And uh, on Monday, we always publish the um, post that goes with this episode and the video and audio version of this episode. So there's always time to do that. And as always, we will be back next Friday at 4 p.m. Central European time or 9 a.m. at Central US time. And if you want to you know, stay in conversation with us, join our LinkedIn group of better leaders. And the link is directly below this episode or below 
in the post what you're watching. So I'll see you there.